listening to another hope-filled message from Life. For more information about our church, visit lifeau.org. The truth is, is that when we talk about fasting, some of us in this room would only know the experience of fasting when it came to, say, a doctor's surgery or something like that. Has anyone been in that situation where the doctors say, oh, sorry, you can't eat for the next whatever? Was it generally? Is there any medical... Eight hours, right? And it's generally food and water, or mostly just food and sometimes water. And, uh, and that eight hours, who knows that eight hours can seem like eight days? It's straight up like, you know, like, I'm going to die. You know, like, you, you want to you do something to help me, but you're going to kill me before I even get to the table? Like, uh, you know, some of us may know fasting in the sense of a health sense, as we're getting more and more health conscious uh, as a society, we're learning that there's these different elements that actually can cause our body to operate at a sharper level, and fasting is one of those. Uh, intermittent, uh, intermittent fasting is becoming quite a popular lifestyle in which it gives our body uh, the break to stop having to consume food and try and digest it, and enables our body to start working on the body, uh, which is amazing. Ever wondered why that when you get sick, most of the time you lose your appetite? It's because your body is saying, I don't want to now deal with all the things I'm supposed to digest. I actually want to start dealing with the issue that's going on. So it's pretty powerful that God designed us that way. And so um, I guess the other way is, is prayer and fasting in the sense that we've talked about it from a biblical point of view. And the context that many, many of us might have is, well, that's kind of for the spiritual elite. That's kind of for the hardcore crew. You know, like, oh, those guys, they pray and fast. That's like Penny, you know, where she sits in the lounge on a chair and she even lets people film her with her eyes closed. Anybody else find that a little bit? Just like, that's quite a red scene, you know? Um, I just even threw, my, I threw myself out. I just threw myself out. The, um, but I want to encourage you that prayer and fasting is actually a foundational part of our faith that was actually not for a selected few, but was for everybody. And there's different kinds of fast, right? So there's fasts that I guess the duration of it can last from as long as King Darius's fast. Now you say, who's King Darius? Well, when you ever heard of the story with Daniel's in the lion's den? Well, King Darius is the one that kind of like, you know, put the, his thumb stamp. Like he kind of gave the thumbs up that if anybody didn't do what uh, these uh, wicked men had to sort of decreed, then they would have to go and be in the lion's den. And so anyway, Daniel wouldn't bow down to anyone else. He ends up in the lion's den. And the king's like, no, not Daniel. Like, he's, he's my boy. You know, like, how did this happen? And so he goes to fast and he fasts all night. <laughs> he, really, he really went on a limb. He, he sacrificed it all. Uh, I'm telling you, there's, uh, there's things that you do for people and then there's things that you do for people. And so um, he fasted all night. And uh, what's amazing, though, is that, the, that, the, that Daniel was not devoured by the lions, uh, and he was rescued the next morning, which is pretty amazing. Fasting enables things and stops things that in the natural, we can't actually orchestrate on our own. And so there's the shortest fast that I know of, biblically, which is the Darius fast. And then it can extend. It can be a day. Uh, it could be a few days. Uh, we understand there's different types of fast, like a Daniel fast. Have you ever heard of that? Uh, and I want to bring context and understanding to it rather than just kind of like, you know, tell us why we have to do this thing. It's good to get for many of us to understanding. So what is this? How does it work? And we find Daniel is a, a, an amazing um, man who's got favor and he's, and he's incredibly intelligent and he's doing extremely well. But he chooses to ask the king that he would go without meat 
and wine and the choice foods that he would go on just the plain food and to watch that his body would not uh, wither away, but that actually they would excel and God would enable them to excel in a way that others wouldn't because God was their supply. And what was amazing is that they grew in favor and they grew in wisdom and they grew in ability, even though they were lacking what everyone said, you need to be able to do what you do. God was now a new supply in that area and they only increased in their level of effectiveness. And so that's a Daniel fast. Has anyone heard of a Daniel fast before and done a Daniel fast, which is pretty much every cafe at the moment has Daniel fast, something that you can have. So it's not like you have to go and lock yourself in the desert and, and, and hide away and just grab your carrot and that's all you got. Like these days, you can pretty much have most stuff. It's like super cool doing a Daniel fast. Like it's, it's really awesome. And then there's the full fast. There's without food and, and even to the point that without water or food. And you go, well, that's impossible. Well, isn't it great that we serve a God of the impossible? There, literally, there have been people who have gone uh, weeks, if not weeks on end, without food or water, yet God has sustained them. Yeah. And you go, well, that's impossible. Well, if I know the God that can speak planets into place, if He can speak stars into being, if at His words mountains are formed and earth is created, could He not be the God that could enable this little stomach to have the ability to be nurtured and nurtured or to have the nutrients that's required that I would be able to go days and days without a natural source, but I have a supernatural source that enables me to grow in my dependency on Him, but also the ability for Him to move through me. And so for me, I guess my journey is that this area of fasting or the, the, the idea of fasting has been something that has been quite an um, active part of my Christian faith. It's just one of those things. I, have a, I don't know anyone who loves fasting, but I know many people who love the outcome of fasting. I don't know anyone who says, oh, I cannot wait to not eat for the next week. I am so excited. I've, I've not met anyone, but I've met many of us who are like, I have this love-hate relationship where I desire, I, when God nudges me and He says, come on, I want you to step into a season of fasting, there's kind of an excitement that happens in my spirit. Yeah. And then everything in my natural body goes, you know, do a Daniel. Just do a Daniel. Darius is awesome. Do a Darius. Because the natural body, who knows, craves these things, yeah. desires these things. But what fasting is saying is rather than my natural instinct to crave food, God, I actually crave you more. Yeah. I crave you more. And there's this element where we've been told that we're made up body, soul, and spirit, which we are made up those three components, but not in that order. We're actually made up spirit, soul, and body. And so what fasting is, is although there's a natural body application, it's actually more about our spiritual man than it is about our natural man. Ever noticed if you use a knife that it's not going to be long before you're going to have to sharpen it? Now, if it's a butter knife, I don't know anyone that sharpens butter knife, but we're talking about an actual, like a real knife, right? Like a crocodile dundee knife. Like you've, if you use that knife, it's only going to be a while before that knife is going to need sharpening. Just like a flame, if you use a flame, it's only going to be a certain amount of time before there's going to be, need to be fresh oil, something fresh that enables it to burn at another level again. Same with the fire, it's going out. You need to blow fresh breath onto it. What I've found is in fasting, I've found that it's like fresh sharpening takes place. 
It's like where areas where I've kind of got a little hesitant or areas where I've kind of got a little bit comfortable or areas where I've kind of got a little bit like, oh, yeah, it's just, you know, it's, it's the Word and, and it's great, it's good. Like all of a sudden I start, God leads me into a fasting season and it's all, it's like everything starts to come alive again. It's like a fresh sharpness needs to take place. It's amazing because areas where I found myself fearful of things, actually I start getting a fresh faith for things. Areas where I found myself hesitant, there's a new level of activation that starts to take place. Where I've seek comfort, all of a sudden I want to confront comfort and I want to get uncomfortable again to the place where I'm living in faith rather than living in the fact of this is what suits me. And God, in His amazing way that He wants to move through our lives, is He does not want us to settle with what we can do in our own ability. It started out of a place of a supernatural exchange where we exchange our brokenness and our wrongs and we exchange it and we give it to God and He gives us hope and life and forgiveness and freedom. He wants it to continue in this place where there is this exchange that is taking place where we are dependent on who He is. Because who knows, our natural instinct like a flame to go out or a knife to go blunt is our natural instinct is actually to get more and more independent. But what we need to do is grow more and more dependent. And what I found is every time I go into a time of fasting is my dependency is so much higher on God because I don't just need Him because I need Him, but God, I need You because I'm starving. I need You. There's a new heightened awareness and there's a new now calling of God into my everyday actions, which then He actually supplies that and I experience Him on a whole nother level. And so then when it comes to areas of praying or worshipping or reading the Bible or just being in a service, it's like... Every sense is like on, like on a whole nother level and I'm sensing what God's doing and I'm sensing what He's saying. And what's amazing about it though is that I find that when I'm fasting is that stuff that's in me that's clouding or blocking me rises to the surface. Maybe it's an attitude. Maybe it's just an area where I've got a bit casual and it's like God starts to speak to those things. Not because He's like, you're not doing that right, Craig. You're not doing that right. You're not. No, He's going, come on, let's, let's move these things out of the way. Come on, let's deal with that and that. And there's new freedom that comes into our life. So we're hearing about a topic that actually seems like it's really hard and burdensome, but actually it's an amazing blessing. It's an amazing blessing. Are you with me? Is it making sense? Are we all on the same train? Perfect. I guess the challenge is, is that it's kind of like a lost art. I was saying this morning, you know, uh, who in the last week, men, has opened their door, opened the car door for their wife to hop in the car or their girlfriend? What a legend. What a machine. Brilliant. Adrian did it this afternoon because he was in this morning's message. Hey, what a legend, that guy. Uh, better than me. Better than me. I said, babe, you got your own car. You're all good to get in. All right, cool. Got your back. Uh, Right, so, so three people in the room. Who knows that that used to be the deal? Like you didn't get in the car if you were a husband. You didn't get in without opening the door first. Like that was what my dad, I saw my dad do. Now, obviously now we've got remote, so I'm just like double pump. Babe, I open the door for you, right? Like now I might not have opened it for you, but I opened it for you, you know? Like, or you just do the one pump, you hop in, and then you're like, hey, you know, appreciate next time I double pump, you know, boom, boom. And, um, and so... It's like there's a lost art. And I think at the same time with, with prayer and fasting, if, if we're not careful, we lose these foundational arts that work. They work. And they work in powerful ways. Work in such powerful ways. I was thinking about it. Daniel, he increased in wisdom and favor as he stepped out. 
King Darius, obviously the mouths of the lions shut. Esther, she stopped a genocide to take place. She stopped a genocide because she decided to call a fast and pray and then go before the king. Moses, 40 days he fasted and then he received the revelation of God's commandments, which led for centuries God's people. Jesus started his ministry from a 40-day fast and from there he's changed the world forever. Fasting is so powerful, it's so tangible and it's so personal. It's so personal. I saw as I've been preparing and, and, and I've basically just like over the last couple of weeks as I've just been writing notes and, and just getting my heart ready and reading scripture, I've just felt like God's put a picture in front of me. Most times I've been getting ready and it's like He put this picture in front of me of, of a whole bunch of us and we're standing at this big door and the door's got a glass pane in the middle of it so we can see what's on the other side, which is our heart's desire. And it's not wrong stuff. It's not wrong areas that we're wanting to be able to step into. It's not wrong things that we're wanting to see uh, come about in our own life. It's, it, it represents situations that we're believing to change. But it's like this door won't open. It's like we've been there, we've knocked on it, we've tried to walk around it, it won't open. I felt like God said, people need to realise that prayer and fasting are the keys that open the door. They're the keys that open the door. Some of you have been dealing with sickness for far too long. And God is, I feel like God is saying, would you trust me at another level? Would you go into a season of prayer and fasting and believe, come on, that a spirit of sickness will get off your family's life or off your life and that you'll come into a season of knowing the spirit of health and life to another level. There's been disunity within family that has been going on far too long and it just seems like it's getting more and more complicated. I felt like God said, come on, it's time to raise the faith bar. It's time to raise the miraculous moments in our lives and go to a season of praying and fasting. Come on, and believe, come on, for some of these things that have been massive roadblocks or walls that they would disintegrate in people's hearts. That the areas that people have said, I'll never forgive, I'll never go there, that they will disintegrate because God moves in a way that cannot happen in a natural, tangible way. That's what our God does. And I know that it can be hard for us to get excited about that, but honestly, God moves in miraculous ways when we create room for Him to do what only He can do. There's been seasons that God has led us on fast, and there's been many, many, many times, but I remember we were entrusted to run a, a national conference in New Zealand, and it was on New Ze North Island and South Island, and it was about 2,500 young people or 3,000 across the two conferences that ran it simultaneously through this one week and we'd travel up and down. And it was the first year that we were entrusted to carry it and lead it. And Zion, our 10-year-old son, was born four weeks earlier. That's pretty much a big enough thing to add to your life, uh, rather, and, as well as running then this whole uh, this conference. And I felt like God said, I want you to go into a season of 21 days fasting purely on liquid. And I want you to believe for just an absolute move of God. And I was like, cool, so no sleep, no food, sounds great, I'm in. You know, like, never heard of a better deal, let's do this. And just went into that conference and, and just had this God assurance that although it was our first time, it wasn't like we were stepping in just to check it out and see how it goes and see what works, but to go in and believe for another level of breakthrough. And it was amazing to see what God did over that course of that week. But one of the greatest highlights for me is we walked out of that week having seen 650 young people make a decision for Jesus that week as they brought their friends from all around the nation, as they brought their friends and their people from the city that we hosted them. And it was unbelievable. Prayed and fasted at times for miracles and put my hands on deaf ears and seen deaf ears open. I remember, it might seem really funny to you, but uh, I remember praying 
and fasting when we started here in Melbourne and the chairs were on a ship that said they would not get here till two weeks after we started. Who knows, that's not fun for anyone to sit on the floor, uh, you know, and bring your own pillow. Come to church with a pillow. Uh, you know, got a deck chair? Cool, bring it. Um, you know, like, and I just remember just going, you know what, God, I'm going to grab hold of that and I'm going to believe for a miracle. As we're fasting, I'm going after that. And literally, we saw the chairs not come two weeks late, but we saw them come 10 days early. And then our congregation put them together uh, over the nights of that week as we got ready for open church. And we had a church service where people could actually sit on seats. You might think, well, that's really great, man. Well, when you're starting a church, it is really great. You take your seat for granted. Seriously, next week, Sunday night, no seats. No seats. And I I feel like I'm probably communicating differently than I did this morning, but I want you to know that God has more for you. And He's not pushing you to have to do this. He never pushed you to respond. He never pushed you to come tonight. And He's not going to push you into fasting. But I do believe that if you are willing and if you're wanting, He'll nudge you like He nudges me. And he'll say, would you go on a faith journey with me that we could believe for a greater area of breakthrough in your life? And the cool thing is it's not always about what's happening directly to you, but we can stand and fast for things that are happening in other people's worlds. And I think that's probably one of the most powerful things we can do. The Bible talks about two people who had great faith. Both of those people were people who were not in front of Jesus for their own miracle. They were in front of Jesus for somebody else's. And I think that we are growing in a season and a time, and I want that to be the culture and the DNA of our church, is that we are a church that's known to stand in the gap for others. That we are willing to pray and fast, not for what we get out of it, but for the benefit that it enables somebody else to step into. That it starts to bring down the walls in people's lives, starts to bring down strongholds over our city, starts to bring down the climate and the tide that's taking things in a place of disarray and destruction. And we start to see new health and new life and new healing start to take place in our communities, in our city and in our land. Now we live in an unbelievable nation, but I'm telling you, our land needs healing. Our land needs healing. There is too much at stake at the moment. And I love what Isaiah 58, when it's talking about fasting, it talks about this. Is this not the kind of fasting I have chosen? To loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke. Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? Isn't that amazing that as we fast and as we align our spirit with God, we find ourselves more heightenedly aware of the needs of other people and what role we have to be able to supply those needs. Isn't that awesome? When you fast, you're getting your eyes off yourself. Even though your stomach is yelling at you 24-7, your eyes are off yourself and you're actually now positioned in a greater perspective of where other people are at. How awesome is that? When you see the naked, you'll clothe them. And not turn away from your own flesh and blood. Then your light, listen to this, this is amazing. Then your light will break forth like the dawn. And your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you. And the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and He will say, here I am. (laughs) Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? I love that. See, there's actually things that in Matthew 4, a situation in particular where Jesus actually reveals and says, you know what, 
you've been praying in a normal sense and you've been operating in what you've understood, but actually this level of breakthrough requires prayer and fasting. And I honestly believe that for people, you, you, even when I started to talk about that door and I talked about these things on the other side that have been promises and things that God's put in your heart that you're longing for and, and you want to see achieved, I, I honestly know that God's he's, he's nudged you. He's just saying, come on, would you, would you take this to another level of dependency on me? Uh, there's things that He wants to do, but it's going to require us stepping into another level of, I guess, uncomfortable <laughs> inconvenience. Do you know what I mean? Like, even though your body is like, oh, I don't know if I can handle this. I don't know if I like this. There's something about that alignment when it comes spirit with spirit that you actually feel at most rest and you feel at most peace and you have the sense of, oh my gosh, I'm just in God's hands. And it's the most securing place you can be. It's the most securing place you can be. Even though you have to wear double socks because your feet are so cold because of circulation. That's my thing. My feet just go straight cold. And so I'm wearing double socks to bed every time. It's just like... You'll learn that stuff as you go. Can I just say that, encourage you? It's a learning thing. Like, it's a learning. When you learn to start fasting, like, I still remember, I was like, I'm going to do a Daniel fast. Next time, I was like, like, two days in, I was eating a bag of chips. I was like, oh, dang it. Like, you know, rats. You know, then you feel like, I've wasted the last three days. You know, like, you're not earning merit with God. You know, he's not on a checklist going, oh, yeah, well, 18 days in, you were so close. Well, breakthrough back on the shelf, you know, like, right? Like, it's a growing thing. It's a learning thing. The, the main thing is we're desiring more of him, you know, like, and so Jesus is led on this fast. He gets baptized. He comes out of the water and the Holy Spirit ascends on him like a dove. God speaks from heaven saying, this is my son whom I'm well pleased. What an amazing moment. The very next verse is he's led to the desert to fast for 40 days. And he's led by the Spirit to go there and he's tempted by the devil. You know, it might sound harsh that God would lead us into these moments that seem like we're in a battle. But it's not to lead you into a battle to see what happens. It leads you into a battle to take ground that's rightfully yours. There are things that are rightfully yours that right now you don't occupy. And but by prayer and fasting, you go into battle to take back that which is actually rightfully yours. And you reclaim that which God has promised you. And you allow it to then become your inheritance rather than something that you don't have hold of. Now, if you're new to church and, and that seems like, oh man, I don't quite understand that. That's cool. Just ask questions of those around you. That's what group's for. Just talking real naturally and just getting understanding. But for many of us, we understand there is a spiritual realm. But we've got to understand that's a battleground that we actually get to play a part in. And here Jesus is led by the Spirit. So four really quick points when it comes to fasting. First one is we have to have a willing spirit. God's not going to make you do something you don't want to do. You might go, well, you know what? I just don't want to get into that. I don't want to do that. That's okay. Last thing I want you to feel is condemnation or feel bad about that. God's not going to force you. But could I encourage you that if you would take God on a journey with this, that this might just be an area that unlocks your faith to a way that you didn't realize it could be so real and tangible. It could just be that exciting. It could just be that full of the miraculous that you really just go, I don't know that I don't know, but I do know that God is just something, something unbelievable. 
It's amazing. If you get around people who have been fasting for a season, ask them some of the stories on the other side. They're not talking about how hungry they were. They were. They're talking about what God did when they thought nothing was going to happen. From selling of houses to job promotions to marriage restoration to just, just amazing stuff that's happened has been, ama- been incredible. But it comes from a nudge. God nudges me and then it's my choice whether I say yes. Same is going to be for you. He nudges me and goes, Craig, would you fast this week? You know, when it was legacy season, he nudged me and he said, come on, I want, you to, I want you to fast for a whole lot longer than you have before in this season because I want to do something that we haven't seen before. And this season, we saw something take place like we've never experienced before. It was truly miraculous. And on the other side of it, we see it. But at the start of it, you're like, do I have to? Do I really? Come on, we've got three days. We're all going to pray and fast for three days. It's like, no, no, no. I want you to go to another level. And it's a personal journey that he takes us on. There's times where he said to me, I want you to fast one day of every week for every week of this year. There's times where he said, I want you to fast one week of every month for every month of this year. And I don't understand at the season at the start why, but as you get into it and you just trust him with it, it's amazing what he does along the way. And you might not understand why he wants you to do it in this moment at that time, but just trust him for it. Or it might be your ability to engage it because you've got something that is a roadblock. You've got this door that you need to see open and you're saying, God, I'm going to have some time where I'm going to a bit of spiritual training and a bit of a battle, and we're going to go and believe for breakthrough in this area. So the second thing is, is that we need to have a determined decision. You need to have a determined decision. You're never going to get offered more free food ever than when you fast. There will be more birthday parties ever, right? And it's like, oh, well, I'm going to fast for a week, but I'm going to, on Monday night, it's steak night, so we can't have, you know. And then on Wednesday night, then it's like always family dinner, and then... It's, there's always going to be something that's going to seem like it's going to stop you. You've just got to make a determined decision. I'm in. I'm in and I'm doing it, right? And I love what it said, that it said after 40 days, Jesus was hungry. Man, go figure. <laughs> brother being out in the desert for 40 days with no food, he hungry. You know, like, man, brother being in the desert for two hours, he hungry, right? Like, Nadia being in the desert for 10 minutes, she hungry, right? Like, straight hangry. And... Uh, You're going to get hungry. Oh my gosh, I just feel so hungry. I better, I better eat something. No, just trust God for it. Some of the most exciting times in my fast is when I've actually felt like my stomach ate myself. And then I said, God, like, I honestly need you right now. I'm a little lightheaded. I've got a lot of work to do. And I really need you to help me. I, don't want to, you know, I need you to fulfill this, to sustain this. And it's amazing in a moment how he takes those away. And then all of a sudden there's a, re, like a new zeal and energy that comes in. And it's like, far out, man. God, you are a supplier of everything. And it's like, I, I have this a new, again, just a refined, refined appreciation of how tangible he is in every situation. Come on, when was the last time you found he just f- supplied even the hunger that you feel? Never before uh, any time does my wife ever become as Italian as she does than when I'm fasting. She's like an Italian nonno. She just wants me to eat more and more. Like, no, babe, just eat. Just eat. Come on. Hey, you look at you. You're skin and bone. You must eat. Eat. Right? Like, and I'm like, no, babe. I'm, I'm all good. I'm like, not for the next, you know. And, and she goes, yeah, but I just don't like it when you fast. You should eat. Uh, pasta. You should have some bun. You know, like, I'm like, seriously, nonna, Go out. Like, stop. Like, away from me, my lovely wife. It's just, <laughs> you've got to have a determined decision. Determined decision. If your motivation, because naturally you will lose weight, if your motivation is lose weight, then do not start. Do not start. That is not what this is about. But be aware that over a certain length of time, obviously, you trim down by a belt. Number three, and we've got to go quick. 
but prioritize prayer. Fasting without prayer is simply starving. You don't need to do that. You've got to pray. So the whole goal of it is, is I used to go, oh, well, I'll do Daniel. But the truth of it is I spent more time preparing Daniel meals than I do normal meals. So I got sick of doing Daniel because like, well, there's no time to actually engage any new level of prayer. So I was like, well, I'd rather just go maybe a little bit of a shorter time, but just go a full fast. Work out what works for you, but you've got to pray. You've got to get out at lunchtime. You've got to go for a walk. You've got to find moments where you're no longer looking at the time that you would sit around and have a meal and talk and hang and actually go and go and talk and hang with your heavenly father and start to go and believe for, and knock on that door and knock on that door and knock on that door until that door opens and that breakthrough starts to take place. Always have something that you're believing for breakthrough in. Always have something. Don't just go for the sake of it. Go in with something. And as I said before, maybe you're in a place where, yeah, there's nothing urgent that I need, but I know of this and this and this. Go in with them. Because who knows, you are moving things in the heavens for other people when you do that. Come on, there's so many scriptures around the value and the significance of prayer. And so for time, I can't go through them, but come on, we've got to pray. Come on, we've got to pray. We've got to pray. We've got to pray. Why would you not want to talk to the God of the heavens who wants to talk to you, right? Man, downloading Him in our life is the most important thing. And number four, and real importantly, and I can't do it justice for sake of time, but we've got to humble yourself. You've got to humble yourself, yo. Basically saying is that no one else can humble you but you. I don't know about you, but for me, I guess I have become more and more aware that the more I know God, the more I know I need God. I don't feel like I know God more and I feel like I don't need Him as much. It can easily get like that if we allow familiarity to take place. But if we have a freshness of heart, the more I know God, the more I know I need God. And it takes a humbling of ourselves. You know, there's a a promise in 2 Chronicles 7. It says, if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray, I'll hear from heaven and I'll heal their land. It says a little bit more than that because the scripture's on the screen. Seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. I'll hear from heaven and I'll forgive their sins. Awesome. And I'll heal their land. The healing of our land is in us humbling ourselves and not just going, oh, yeah, no, God's got it. Yeah, you know, God is big enough. He's got it. But he's wondering if there would be a people that would humble themselves and actually call on God and say, God, we need you. We just can't take it for granted that you got this all sorted. You've given us the gift and the ability to actually bring determination in different environments and different things and different decisions that are happening. I don't know if you know about the reports that were written in regards to Scott Morrison being elected, but there were many analytical reports written. One that was not written was the fact that thousands and thousands and thousands of believers around our nation fasted and prayed for weeks leading into that. And I tell you now, that is the determining factor as to why we have a president, a prime minister now, I'm not saying every policy is the best, and I'm not saying he's saviour, and he'd be the first one to stand up here and say, I ain't, I ain't everything to everything. But he is someone who lifts up the name of Jesus. He's filled with the Holy Spirit. He believes in the local church, and he loves people. And I saw him stand on a stage of 25,000 people at Hillsong Conference, and I heard him say, what our nation needs more of is the love of Jesus. What you and I need to do better is love people like God would love people. What an incredible Prime Minister that we have. 
But we never probably heard that thousands and thousands and thousands prayed and fast. I'm telling you, it makes the impossible possible. What was the first four words he said when he stood on stage? I believe in miracles. I don't know if you realize, but you are a miracle in motion. God wants miracles to operate through your life. Band, you can come and join me. And and team, you can start to hand out communion. Because we're going to end tonight by having communion together. You are a miracle. You're a miracle in motion. The fact that we would give our heart to Jesus and in a moment He would transform our lives, taking away sin and death, giving us life and hope. We are miracles in motion. I want to ask the question, should the miracle just remain with me? Or through this journey of faith and this extension of what God wants to do through me, could the miracle multiply? Could the miracle go further if I would humble myself? One of the ways we need to humble ourselves is for those who I've heard many times say, oh, well, I could never do that. No, maybe you can't do that, but God surely can do that. He can do it. You could go without. You could believe and trust that He could do it. Oh, no, but I could never. Your God is able. And you're a miracle in motion. this podcast from life if you have any questions or want to contact someone about this message visit lifeau.org